Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Saturday a.m., June uh, the 12th. I believe this is episode 68, one away from episode 69. Fuck yeah. It's a very important number on the internet. And uh, yeah, welcome to the video game podcast that is 33% THC. We are here to talk about <laughs> Summer Game Fest and E3, which is, it's happening. We're in the middle of it. I guess, the summer game mess, as the internet has dubbed it, the two events smashed together. Jeff Keighley had a kickoff stream thing on Thursday. I don't know if Summer Game Fest has an end. I don't know if it just starts and goes until August (laughs) or like the the Equinox or like what the the plan is. Yeah, if there was more content, surely it'd be called like the Seasonal Game Fest or something. So... So what's weird is, like, Microsoft and Bethesda, their conference is tomorrow, Sunday. So if you're interested in that, June 13th, go check that out. We're probably going to see Starfield finally. Uh, But both of those events are, like, taking ownership of it. Like, Microsoft and Bethesda is like, our thing's on Sunday, and Summer Game Fest is like, Summer Game Fest presents Xbox and Bethesda, and then E3's like, E3 presents Microsoft. It's, uh, it's like two divorced parents showing up at, like, a recital at a high school or something, and, like, they're, they're watching and enjoying the show, but then occasionally they, like, shoot a shitty glance at each other from across the auditorium. Just That's like really Mary- what it feels like. <laughs> Just like a Mary Kay and Ashley movie. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It takes two. Uh, so... What, where are we? What are we doing? E3 starts, I guess, today, officially. Uh, Ubisoft is doing their conference about midday. So if you're interested in Ubisoft games, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Bethesda Microsoft is tomorrow, as I say. And then uh, I think Nintendo's over on Tuesday. I think I actually have a chart of this. I think I charted myself. Here we go. Yeah, so Ubisoft is today at uh, noon Pacific time. So that'll be, what, 1 o'clock over here? Uh, uh, Xbox and Bethesda is tomorrow Square Enix is tomorrow Warner Brothers Games is tomorrow PC Gaming Show tomorrow Take-Two Interactive will be Monday Capcom is doing something on Monday Which is interesting Uh, The Nintendo on Tuesday Bandai Namco is going to be on Tuesday Maybe we'll see more of Elden Ring at that And then uh, the E3 2021 Award Show Which I'll just tell you right now You can can skip it You can skip that one Um, Alright So neither Sony PlayStation or uh, or Electronic Arts have anything planned for E3. Sony, of course, has has skipped numerous uh, E3 events or or has waned uh, their their relationship with the ESA and E3. Uh, EA usually does some kind of stream or something like that. It's uh, in relative to all. So here's the thing with E3 is regardless of where the numbers are at and what you think about the thing, the hype around this time of year uh, is just the greatest free publicity. And to and to be like, no, we're good, uh, is is pretty bold, uh, because yeah. it's just free, it's just free publicity. Like you just don't want to hang out with the bird. Like you don't want to hang out with the fucking plebeian publishers. You're like, no, we're Sony. We'll we'll announce things when we announce things. I think that's uh, honestly the thought process behind it. I think they look at Nintendo, who have their own separate directs from everybody, yeah. and they're trying to be like. Okay, Nintendo is known for their first-party titles and for having an amazing in-house studio. Let's be the next Nintendo. Because Microsoft is not doing it, and clearly they're like, okay, Microsoft is buying Bethesda, they're making all these moves. Like, let's focus on our shit. Let's make ourselves, like, not only, like, the be- one of the best consoles, but we'll make it one of the best developers, and they want to be the next Nintendo, essentially. So so Sony wants to have it both ways, though, because they also want to release their first-party titles on the PC, which Nintendo does not do, unless you're in China. Right. 
but I think that's also them being realistic and looking at Microsoft and being like, oh, well, they also have the PC market. We want a little bit of that action. So we want only not to be the next Nintendo, but we also yeah. want to have our hands dipped in PC. And so- it is a bold move, but I don't see a reason why it wouldn't work. Everybody who owns a PC wants to play God of War, wants to play Horizon. Like, uh, these are popular. Like, Horizon's a big seller on PC as it is, so. Phil Spencer, Mr. Xbox, was uh, was interviewed, uh, I think, just a couple days ago or something like that, and he took a shot at Sony uh, for for kind of touting that, hey, we, we got all these, these great exclusives, but you have to, like, for P- they want to branch into the PC market, but we do expect PC players to wait over a year for ports of our console exclusives. I'm like, that's kind of a rich yeah. thing to say. At least so, Sony is releasing games people want to play on console and PC. Uh, like, I don't think Gears 5 and Gears Tactics and shit, Forza is throwing up the numbers on PC. Yes, correct. Uh, that 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 Sony's first party... Uh, like, this is probably easily researchable. And I'm not, I'm not just shitting on Microsoft straight out. Right. Microsoft I, I, it's, objectively needs to release more first party exclusive titles yes i think this i think yeah it's definitely a situation of microsoft you shouldn't be talking shit because you don't have anything anyways um look there he's he's not talking about it the right way because there's a lot of cool stuff with xbox and pc that playstation and playstation can't even match like there's a lot of connectivity between my xboxes and my laptop yeah uh that my my playstation's uh, like PS4s can't even handle. Yeah, you have to and, manually upload those saves. And you know? the year wait for those exclusives, I definitely it's definitely a bummer. I think if they got that time down to six months, three months, I think that's a bit way better of a compromise. So, it'll it'll but, still give incentive for people to buy your console for the exclusives if they're a gamer kind of like myself who will want to play yeah. those exclusives six months ahead. So uh, the thing there is uh, that the PlayStation costs so much to make, and when you're a console maker. Uh, you you are will you make your first party titles and you make the money back on the software over the years. Nintendo is the is the shining example of this with with Sony making such an expensive console in the PlayStation Five. Obviously, it will get cheaper over time as the parts just depreciate as they do. Uh, but they are expecting to make that back on software. So to release it co- like on PC at the same time yeah. and see that cannibalize some of their own market. I think Sony has uh, cold feet about that. Based on how successful, right. well, that's why their, I said like six, video game, yeah. That's why I said like six months might be a better compromise compared to fucking a whole year. Before we get down to Summer Game Fest and and what was all on the stream, this seems like a really easy uh, segue into Ratchet and Clank rip rip the fart. <laughs> um, all the all the subtitles are like ass. It's all about the ass. It's all, it's all about, about the booty. Yeah, and that's okay. You know. Yeah. Just alternate Ratchet and Clank titles if, like, what if they were into legs? Uh, anyway, this game is exclusive to the PS5. It is $90 Canadian. That's uh, correct. That's a lot of money, Reed. Yep. Uh, the last Ratchet and Clank game that came out right now is on sale. It's a PS Hits title. 2016, that is the movie tie-in game, and it is $10 right now. That's correct. Uh, so, tell me why you, someone should spend $80 more on this brand new product for the brand new console exclusively. <laughs> Well, first of all, if we may talk about the 2016 title so far, the reason why it is $10 is because it's a massive disappointment, in my opinion, as a longtime Ratchet & Clank fan. 
So, well, keep in mind that God of War 2018 is also $10 right now, so I don't know if that's what... Right, the point it's that not to, to make, say but... that it's like a really <laughs> badly made game, but as a long-time Ratchet and Clank fan, like I said, on the PS2, I may have been going Commando up your arsenal like over 20 times each. I played Deadlocked like 10 times at least. Um, big Ratchet Clank fan on the PS2. I never got a PS3, so I didn't play any of the PS3 What's ones. the but? What's the butt thing with Deadlocked? I don't... There is none. Oh, don't you even. There is. I'm going to go to a weird no, part of the internet because later. because it wasn't Ratchet and Clank. It was Ratchet Deadlocked. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe when, it's Clank who's about that. Yeah, that's when they... Like, it was a completely different Ratchet and Clank game, Deadlocked. Like, I need to talk about that game sometimes because it's really fucking weird. Because it's like a game show and you're not even like... It's so weird. Okay, Reed, um, here's... Uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got another confession to make. What? I've never played a Ratchet and Clank game. Oh, you're missing out. Like, uh, so, um, Ratchet and Clank games are really, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to talk about unless you've never played one, I guess. Um, the 2016 I mean, one, I've anyway. Seen, I've seen plenty of them. I, can, I, can, so, I get the gist. Yeah, so Ratchet <laughs> and Clank basically back in the day is a very by-the-numbers platform, but with some really fun shooter elements that you would find in a game like Doom, where it's okay. non-reloading. Uh, quick-paced gun switching to deal with different enemy types that have advantages or disadvantages depending on the gun you're using. The guns are incredibly varied in their uses because they're all incredibly unique. Some are goofy, some are serious. They can be as basic as a rocket launcher to something as crazy as like a gun that shoots out a mushroom and the mushroom shoots people with like acid or some shit like now we're talking yeah or uh, a gun that turns enemies into ducks and then the ducks shoot exploding eggs and like a bunch of dumb shit um okay so rift apart we got insomniac right that is correct yeah, so it's Insomniac Games, it's like the creators of Spider-Man, and basically this Resistance. was a, yeah. yeah, this is a continuation of their original series. So the 2016 game is not canon, and it's set in its own timeline, universe, whatever you want to call it, because it was based off the Nickelodeon movie. The Nickelodeon briefly bought the rights to make a movie, I guess. Uh, Apparently that movie was okay, it just kind of came and went. Yeah, it's kind of just like whatever. Um, so this game is back to the old... Uh, original timeline, which is the original PS2 games and the mainline PS3 games minus the spinoffs, like, all for one and shit. Uh, So that's great. So Rift Apart is very classic Ratchet and Clank action from what I've played so far. I've played about four hours, and I fucking love that. With some at, just like Doom Eternal, (laughs) it's weird that I'm comparing this always to Doom, (laughs) Uh, but they added a lot of movement and verticality, or I shouldn't say verticality, and, um, like movement, dodging, uh, even quicker weapon switching. They added a quick select system to weapons. So with just the flip of the directional button, you are switching weapons into something else that you've previously set. Is it using the adaptive triggers? Yes, yes. And that's what I was going to get into briefly here. Um, So this game heavily uses the adaptive triggers. So like you have a pistol that uh, shoots faster the longer you hold the trigger lead. So the the trigger will be incredibly hard to hold at first. And the more you press it, the looser it'll get for you until you get oh, to the yeah. bottom. And it's just like spraying out bullets as fast as it can. Um, when you're charging like your big laser gun, you can feel like like on your trigger, like it's vibrating more and more. It's really intense. 
I heard there's uh, like a minigun and you can like hold the trigger halfway to spin it up and then yeah. So every the no every that's another thing about the guns. What makes it kind of doomish is that they all oh, have fire. Yeah. Is that yeah they all have alternate fire, which is a half trigger motion. At, um, it's not nothing crazy like Doom, where your all fire is going to be like a rocket barrage yeah. out of a machine gun, but it's always like a slight variation of what you're using. Maybe a half arc to a full arc. Maybe Half Trigger Motion would be a great, like, rap album. <laughs> yeah, or a good thrash band. <laughs> um, hmm. um, but yeah, so, so far, the writing has kind of a little bit gone back to their old-school humor, which was a little bit, like, Simpsons-ish, if you will. Like, you know, a little bit crude, but not, not like, Family Guy or something. What is the relationship level. of Ratchet and Clank? Um, so basically, Ratchet was just a dude on a planet, and he was like, fuck, I, he was basically like, kind of like Luke Skywalker, he's just like, I hate being on this backwards-ass planet, like, there's nothing to do. Uh, Clank was supposed to be a big warbot, but he was a defect, so he got made little and funny and innocent. Uh, so he escaped, and then he found Ratchet, then they stopped, like, a bunch of bad guys and became heroes of the galaxy throughout all the games, essentially. And that's all you need to know for this game, is that, like, they became friends. They saved the galaxy like five times, and now they're big heroes. And that's where this game starts. Um, cool. Who's the who's the who's the lady? Who's, who's that? Who's that lady? So yeah, that's the really interesting. And that's the really annoying part too. Is everybody's like, "Er, Ratchet is the last Lombax, like his alien race." And oh, like, is that the case? I didn't know. That yeah. So that's the that's the whole gimmick, and that was a big uh, plot point in one of the PS3 titles was that all the Lombaxes, like all of Ratchet's people, were basically lost in a different dimension. Oh, um, but like, this is all bullshit because in Ratchet and Clank Going Commando 2000 fucking Thule, there is a yeah. female Lombax who is the what? main antagonist for half the game and then becomes an ally for the second half. <laughs> she has a she has a name, she has dialogue, you talk no. to her and e- That's like, impossible. There is no reference People to are like so sure. And there's no reference at all to like Lombaxes being this like, extinct rare race or anything. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Interesting. Yeah, um, I, I I haven't looked it up or anything while they don't acknowledge her or anything like that. Can you I have- imagine being so horny that you forget something like that so anyway uh the, so the whole gimmick the whole gimmick in this is clank gets ratchet like as a like a as a like a hey we're heroes present um this thing called the dimensionator which allows you to travel dimensions uh dr nefarious who is the villain from ratchet and clank up your arsenal shows up uh he's okay. va- he's fantastic he's uh not in I was not in this game really though. He's fantastic in Up Your Arsenal because you've never seen a more angry villain in a video game. He's constantly just fucking yelling at his butler, and that's what makes him great. Is he has a like a cold cut butler, and Duck Nefarious is like this really over the top yelling evil scientist, and he's being the shit out of his robot lawyer butler, and then you know it all comes to a head at the end of the game where the butler like smacks the shit out of him. And everything, um, we could do evil doctor as as main villain. That's a pretty long list, man. Right, I, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like he was a really good villain up your arsenal. He's very over the top. He was always yelling. He was did a lot of evil shit, like killed your friends and stuff. Yeah. Um, in this game, he is very much toned down, just like the humor. Um, so he's not as good or anything, but he's definitely serviceable for this game. The whole gimmick is that he stops, uh, he takes the Dimensionator from Clank, it blows up, 
there's giant rifts all over everywhere, and Rank, Clank, Ratchet and Clank get sucked up in one. They go to an rank. alternate. Just def- refer to them as Rank. Yeah, yeah. they go to a, a, another like third alternate dimension where the only Lombax is this girl named Rivet, and basically she's Ratchet's like dimensional counterpart, and they have to team up her and Ratchet yeah. to stop uh, Doctor Nefarious and his dimensional counterpart, Emperor Nefarious. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, so this so game... Uh, pretty simple story. <laughs> yeah, right on. Uh, so yeah. this game has uh, a lot of... The the gimmick was the fast load time of the PS5 and the fact that you can load completely different uh, environments very, very quickly. Yes. I'm also to understand there's a lot of other PlayStation game tie-ins here or, or Easter eggs. Oh, I, 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 I don't know yet. about the tie-ins or Easter eggs, okay. but I can absolutely speak to the loading time thing. So the whole gimmick of this game is that there's a bunch of rifts everywhere during your game. The levels are very uh, maze-like, by the way, which are very fun, and I love it. Uh, lots of collectibles, lots of things to get. Uh, but there's lots of things called rifts everywhere. If you press L1, you will transport to the rift and you'll see what like the area that's in the rift and it's coming at you while the space around you is staying normal. Like It's hard to describe, but it's like you're pulling an area towards you and getting sucked up into it. It's like the coolest fucking effect I've seen. And you it's can, better than like Cloud having to uh, push up against a shed so we can move between two buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because this game, this game obviously is not going for a realism luckily, so it doesn't no, have yeah. to bust out like the big guns. So, cool. ex- uh, especially if you're in performance mode with ray tracing, you can just like go across half the map, and these huge seamless transitions are happening, and it's super, super cool looking out, and it's really impressive. Uh, the game, top to bottom, I'm to understand, is, is very gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's just a well-put-together video game. If you've played Up Your Arsenal, it's like it's damn near a perfect video game. Um, and this definitely follows suit. It's just like solid controls, good, fun combat, lots of enemy types, lots of weapon types, lots of things to upgrade, good voice acting, like serviceable story. Uh, fun characters, like, I don't know what else you want in a video game. Um, I definitely say if you're not a, like, maybe if you're not a fan of Ratchet and Clank, maybe wait for this to come on sale for 50 bucks, 60 bucks and pick it up. Uh, but for me personally, 90 bucks is absolutely worth it. Cool. Good to know, man. Uh, uh, you, you said in text that you were going to pay this game a compliment. Uh, oh, yes. An unusual yes. compliment. Okay. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Okay. Uh, so for Eon's People have wanted for, for, eons. for pe- eons. People in video games have wondered, "What do we do about helmets and cutscenes?" Yeah, and people have done many things. They give you a hide helmet option, but for all the game, not just cutscenes. They've given you a hide helmet and cutscenes <laughs> option, but okay, but you'll just like magically have your helmet off all of a sure. sudden. Yeah, uh, and the list goes on. Ratchet and Clank has finally done it, Lee. Oh when, shit. While you're wearing a helmet, if you get into a cutscene, your character will press a button and your your helmet will fade off into the cutscene. They will talk, do the cutscene, and when the cutscene is done and seamlessly transitions back into gameplay, they press the button again and their helmet comes back on. Wow. Right. That's the attention to detail I yeah. come to. I'm just like, I, I was fucking blown away. I was like, holy shit. Wow. Wow. Uh, I always, uh, games that have... It's a weird thing. It's a weird immersion-breaking thing to talk about is games where 
uh, it renders like let's say it's your outfit, like you'll have your armor, but the the weapon will be just defaulted to a handgun. Yes, so Days, Gone, yes. <laughs> Days Gone does both versions of this. Sometimes you have your loadout, and sometimes you just have like a generic thing. Yeah, and I remember my favorite example of this was in Kanan Lynch. Uh, my buddy and me got into a cutscene, and he was meant to have just like a machine gun or a handgun in his hand, but he was holding a grenade launcher. So we're t- we're running and trying to escape to this boat, and he fires off like thirty six rounds from his <laughs> grenade launcher, like it's just like a fucking nine nine millimeter. We're both just laughing so fucking hard. Uh, that shit's that shit's fun. Uh, review of Yuffie's intermission DLC forthcoming. Uh, I believe you're getting down to that after you finish this. Yeah, I, I think I might play Mass Effect 3 after Ratchet yeah, and Clank, go. and then we'll see about the Yuffie DLC. I'm like, like literally they could have made that about any other character, and I would have been way quicker to play it, but they picked Yuffie. I said Yuffie. the other day, we, we managed to get full spin-off games for Vincent and Yuffie, who are both missable party members. And, like, Yuffie arguably, like, fucking nothing going on. <laughs> I mean, unless you're into like little little shorts, then you know, I don't know. or like tower or like tower rankings. Yeah, Yuffie kind of f- like rounds out the the personalities, I guess, of the group to just have someone right. there who's, but, who's like, very juvenile. Vince, right, but <laughs> Vincent is an optional character and directly has a bunch of story stuff related to Sephiroth, uh, to Hojo, to Nibelheim, like. Yuffie will have more of a tie-in to remake as they are pushing the war with Wutai a lot more in the additional added yeah. dialogue of this yeah. game. I feel anyway, they'll they'll make her more important. I don't fucking dude. I don't know. Uh, voiced by Keith David. Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> Yuffie voiced by Keith David. <laughs> Steal all the materia. Uh, that I don't. I can't do a Keith David. No one can do a fucking Keith. You know, you know what else? Take the materia. Put it on yourself. <laughs> Slot it in. Uh, Lance Lance Reddick is another voice uh, that would be very difficult to do. He's in a ton of video games, and now he's in a video game adaptation. He's going to be Wesker in the live action <laughs> uh, like, Resident Evil Netflix like, show. Chris, I have made the T virus. He's be like Chris. Uh, no, it's a horrible answer. I running. wish I was Lamar I Yeah, no one could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to fix your desk. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool casting because that that guy will like if he just just take a shot at that character. I'm interested already. Right. right. Like, it's yeah. Just like, and like, and even then, like, who gives a fuck? Like, other people being like, "Yeah, Black Superman." <laughs> Holy like, fuck! Like, who gives a fuck? Like, there's not even a good Superman movie. Let them do what they want. Absolutely, yeah. Like, like, like the the color of his skin is the problem with the super right. Movie. And like, like that's gonna. It, it, and this is exactly for Resident Evil. Like anybody complaining about Black Albert Wesker, he's like, dude, fuck. Look at the fucking movies. All right, they did the perfect Albert Wesker in the movies, and those movies are fucking shit. Yeah, man. You see him running up walls. You see him dodging bullets. You see him <laughs> smiling and adjusting his glasses. Fucking movies, man. How many are there? Five? Six? There's like seven Resident Evil movies. There's gotta oh, be. Oh, boy. Maybe there's yeah. eight, Lee. There's, there's like, Still getting work. There's at least one 3D. There's Resident Evil 3D. I remember the third movie being okay because it tried to just have its own plot. Like, it tried to just be what it was. Was that the uh, one where they're in the desert? Yes. That's the one that has the Magi guy from Mummy Returns. Or Mummy. No, I thought it was uh, Jorah Mormont from uh, Game of Thrones was in it. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. It both could be. Both things could be true. I've watched that movie once. The movie probably came out. Find out on the next episode of the Resident Evil 
media, like yeah. non-video game podcast. <laughs> two people speculate <laughs> while the internet is right in front of them, whether or not an actor appeared in something or not. Uh, what else have you played this week? Uh, like Mass Effect 3. Um, I think that's best safe for when we talk about Mass Effect 3. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then some Skyrim. I, I started to play some Skyrim game with mods um, because it's a really relaxing game. It's Fuck, it's hard playing that game. Like, you can have as many mods as you into as you want into a game. But if you play, like, a thousand hours of a game that's, like, fucking surface level deep, it's really hard to continue playing it, evidently. I mean, yeah, other than just uh, go heading in a direction you haven't before and just making your own head. Right, but, it, right? like, I always... Like, I always go into Skyrim with the idea of role-playing and, like, doing this, but everything in Skyrim wants to stop you from role-playing. Um... Yeah, it's fucking sucks. Uh, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I always wish that there was a uh, an official survival mode added to Skyrim. After yeah, all these I'm, years. I'm thinking of playing survival mode, maybe. Uh, but like the thing about Skyrim is, I don't want it. Like, I don't want it to be the difficulty where I have to smack a Draugr fifty times with a sword for it to die either. That's, that. th that's my biggest problem with Bethesda games is uh, the difficulty and the expectation. Uh, so it's an RPG. You're getting gear. You're becoming stronger. You can do more damage. You can take more damage. You get all these different abilities that let you do percentages more damage. But at a certain point, when you realize that there's no benefit of playing with a high difficulty, unless it's a set difficulty like survival mode, then you might as well take the perks that just make your life easier and the damage is irrelevant if you can set the difficulty slider to nothing yeah. and kill everything in one hit, which is kind of the power fan fantasy you're after in an RPG anyways. So I, with Bethesda games now, increasingly I'm having trouble going back and playing with them if they don't have a hardcore or a survival mode in them. Um, and, and then you and then you don't want to play the game because it gets so fucking frustrating. Like the Fallout 4 survival hardcore mode or whatever you call it is punishingly difficult. And, yeah, uh, and I, I, th like, I think that's something that can overcome if they actually go out of their way to make really good combat, especially for Elder Scrolls. Because then that opens up more possibilities for how you adjust difficulty. AI doesn't block as much. AI doesn't dodge as much. AI doesn't swarm you from behind as much. And yep. if they continue down this route of what they did with Skyrim, which is streamlining and uh, making a lot of the things a lot more accessible, then they have no excuse not to put a lot more emphasis on more approachable combat. Yeah, I think uh, I think going forward, you're going to see Elder Scrolls just just become more casual. Basically, like the 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 decrescendo starts at Morrowind, which is extremely difficult and kind of unapproachable for I would say casual gamers. To Oblivion, which I think because it came out on 360, brought in a ton of a more casual RPG crowd, and then they just leaned into that with Skyrim. And that's not that's not a knock against Skyrim. Uh, no, it, of, yeah, it's clearly yeah. a good game if it's because it's sold as many copies as it has. And I've yeah. played fucking hundreds of hours of it. It's a good game. It's just it's a it's a it's just not an RPG anymore, which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. It's just like it's uh, fine. It's fine. I like it. It's fine. No, it's I'm just saying that as it goes away from that RPG thing, it may lose my personal interest. But clearly, number money fucking talks here. So like. That's you right. know, fuck my opinion, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be so many <laughs> other games uh, to, to play in this, in the, like Obsidian's making their first person 
yeah. uh, RPG. And, and I, I would like to see them lean into something a little more traditional versus, like, because Outer Worlds, you could argue, is also kind of that Skyrim formula of just, like, lots of EXP, numbers getting bigger, the the difficulty is kind of relative. Right, um, and there's not different yeah. ways you're approaching combat in a game like Outer Worlds or Skyrim yep. or anything. Yep. Yep, it's just, like, yeah, that's the point in Skyrim. It's just, like, I'm not using this weapon because it gives me an advantage to do so. I'm using it because it's fun to see the kill shots with a bow. Yeah, it's, like, uh, uh, it's it's basic things that you'd think that should happen. Like, skeletons should resist slashing weapons because they're fucking skeletons. You should hit them with blunt the weapons. Rules. Yeah. This is, like, Dark Souls shit. What, what I love about Dark Souls in comparison to Skyrim is... They give you every single number that you could possibly want to know on screen. So you, yeah. at every moment, you're knowing exactly what you want to do. If you're a casual player, you probably shouldn't be playing Dark Souls, I guess, because those numbers are going to be there no matter what. But you also can just press R3 and all that shit will disappear. You just put, put on what you want. But And then like it's not going to tell you, hey, by the way, skeletons resist this shit, but you'll feel it in the damage and numbers that you see. So yeah. Skyrim should yep. follow suit with that. And like they're already partially have that shit in the game. Like, how many things be, are weak to fire but resist frost? Like, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like playing Diablo three a lot uh, in this this past week. Uh, that that thing, that game's as casual as they come. Like, that's just the numbers get bigger. It's basically a clicker at that point. Yeah, it doesn't have the weight. Like the it takes very little to make a game like that go from um the, what is basically a butt masher uh, to a, a something with more meaningful combat. And I keep harkening back to, to champions, Norath and stuff like that, where if you make the characters slower, if you make the abilities more deliberate, uh, it becomes that much more important that your, your brain is that much more engaged with what you must do next. And, uh, th- there's nothing to say that, that either game is wrong. Uh, right. It's just, uh, yeah. It's just so. This is a good transition into something called Fantasy Star Online Two New <laughs> Genesis. Sega released a brand new Genesis this week on June 9th. They took the skeleton. They took the eight-year-old, nine-year-old skeleton. This oh, that's kind of sounding gross now. Uh, of uh, Fantasy Star Online Two. Uh, they released it in North America with the translation. People were complaining that it's a bit impenetrable. It's a it's a JRPG that's been going on for nearly a decade to have a new player walk up to that game. It's like, what is that game? What do you do? Where do you start? There's so much nested and, and stuff here that people have been eased into over the years that you're just dumping on my plate all at once. And that was kind of the resounding complaint about that game. Uh, people were really happy and wanted to play it, but the game d- didn't really feel like it wanted you to play it. It wanted you to beeline to the end game and kind of know what to do, and that's no way to to live your life, son. So a lot of people, I think, dropped myself included, uh, who's a bigger Fantasy Star Online fan than me, completely dropped off that game. Uh, so they have went and took all the assets from that game. Re- they created a new game engine for this. And uh, completely completely updated the game, and I believe the original game as well. And now when you go into the game and create a character, it automatically boots you in New Genesis. Uh, but I believe you can immediately go back to the login screen and go back to the old game. So you can log into your old character in the old game and play. Uh, go for it. This is more or less the death knell of that game, though, to say that, hey, we're going to be updating this new game here, which is basically the old game, has a lot of old MMORPG tropes in it, which is kind of nice. Uh, I'm I'm old school when it comes to that stuff. I like text boxes and and dumb shit like that. Um, so I'm I'm digging the hell 
out of this game because it's just taking it back to basics almost too much where it's like everything is locked even in the vendors when you go to a vendor if they have six options to choose four of them will be grayed out because you haven't unlocked it yet and it'll be stuff like like simple stuff in the game that you're like why can't I do that now I guess the game wants to really tutorialize all of this and well fuck us that's what we asked for right (laughs) Uh, so that's kind of the the, it's really fantasy star online too fuck you this is what you asked for and you're a you're an asshole if you don't now try this game and they're right uh they, they went and completely overhauled this game made a whole new story new areas uh new quests new dialogue translated all of it made a whole new version of this mmo nested inside the old mmo for new players and they've changed some fundamental things like uh attacking uh there used to be timed hits in this game you'd have to time things out charge them up whatever that's all gone uh, they've they've really simplified the the combat in that way, but all the same moves and stuff are there, so it still feels like the first game, just more casual, easier. Um, and uh, I'm having a really good time with it. It's okay. It's 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 pretty. Lots of players, lots of people on uh, online. All the areas are very very populated. Uh, the the performance of the game. So I'm playing on Xbox uh, One X, but I also have it on my original Xbox in my in my bedroom. And the other night, I just happened to be like, I'm going to put another 30 minutes into this game and fired it up on that Xbox. This game gives you, like, PC-level graphics control. Like, you can straight up go into the settings and tweak your graphics on a console as if it was a PC. Like, set the shading, set the lighting, set, like, the the, the fucking graphic quality. It looks like absolute garbage on the original <laughs> Xbox. I think they, they just set it to, like, lowest so it would run smoothly. Um, but you can tweak it th- thereafter, which I think is something that consoles don't typically like you to do. Because if you overclo- if like you crank everything up, and the processor on the console you're playing can't take it, that can't be good for the life of the console. But I digress. Uh, it looks really, really good on Xbox One X, and I'm sure it looks even better on PC and Series X. Uh, do I recommend it? It's completely free to play, uh, but it is a JRPG. It's like a JRPG MMO, so you. Get you know ready. what you're signing up for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to sit through in terms of tutorials. The campaign and the story is fucking Star Ocean level quality. <laughs> like it's not it's it's not it's not good. It's getting these the point across. Very simple version of the Fantasy Star Online story. Uh, you are someone who is in like an escape pod in deep space, and you come crashing down on this planet. There are others like you. You are basically. Uh, trained soldiers or 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 whatever uh, that were part of a colony ship, but you're just kind of appearing on this planet. Something obviously may maybe have happened to that colony ship, and there's a Dark Falls, which is a giant demon monster thing, and it's corrupting the wildlife. Blah blah blah. blah Fancy star. Uh, so it's just you and a bunch of survivors basically on this planet. Uh, you're not on a ship, which is interesting. In previous Fantasy Stars, you're always like in an orbiting ship or like a big big future city. That's not the case here, uh, or at least so far it isn't. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so you got your, your classes, your subclasses, I don't know, man, it's, uh, I want to play more of it, so, fuck, and then I've also been playing Yakuza 3, got into that, story hooked me, uh, having, having some fun with that game, glad, uh, to, to be playing it, uh, Octopath Traveler, I think I told you, I don't know if it was on the podcast, that I rolled credits on that game, yeah. uh, by completing the Scholar thing, yeah, I think I said that in the last podcast, and I yeah. pushed a little further after that, but really... I don't know that there's any reason to keep no, playing it. No, 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 there's not. It's a fucking stupid game. <laughs> well, like, if I complete all the character storylines, do I get anything? I should just Google this, I guess, at some point. Just watch it And on if YouTube, I do get yeah. something, why do I want it? <laughs> it's, it's all your teammates actually having a conversation for once. <laughs> Is it just bragging rights? Is it just, like, beating Ruby Weapon in Final Fantasy VII? But, <laughs> at, but there's no... Like, but no one cares, yeah. basically. 
And they, like, they, hey, check it out. They call I bullshit. Beat all the, yeah, they I beat call, all the stories in Octopath. Yeah, they Good call bullshit. You, yeah, that's that's awful. Anyway, that's been this week in games. Uh, let's quickly talk about Netflix and CD Projekt Red partnering for Witcher convention <laughs> uh, in July. Uh, man, they did like the the brand thing on on Twitter where it's like, "Hey, CD Projekt Red, are you busy on July 9th? Oh God! And then oh, CD Projekt Red God. is like, "Hey, Netflix." <laughs> No, what do you, right, what do you, Netflix, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, Netflix is laying uh, face down on its bed, like kicking its legs in the air. Yeah. Uh, talking to talking to CD Projekt Red. Fuck's sake. Uh, CD Projekt Red is in some fucking hot water, man. That that data leak from C- Cyberpunk was uh, apparently great. had a lot of employee information and stuff in it. They just announced they had to put it on another statement like they'd like to do. Um, Fuck yeah. Anyway, Witcher convention. So speculate. Uh, go Go sick. Uh, let's talk quickly about the the things that were announced at the Summer Game Fest uh, thing, because some of them are pretty notable. Then we will talk briefly on Mass Effect. I know I said we're going to stop at 8 o'clock, but it's only been 36 minutes, so let's go at least another 10 for the people. Reed, they wait all week for our rambling. Hey, Warner Brothers is making a Lord of the Rings animated movie? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> like I, I The War of the Rohirrim? Ro- Ro- like, Rohirrim, you mean? Um... <laughs> Fuck you! What? What? <laughs> like I... it's a word. Like it's a word I've ever heard before in my fucking life. What? The Rohirrim? It's said like, like twenty times during the movies. Fuck you. Okay, that means I've heard that word twenty times at least. Maybe may, maybe times six because I probably watched those movies through a few times. Yeah. No. Uh, Rohirrim is very much a thing. Yeah. The whole anime movie thing is like, I don't know. It's starting to become a trend. Like Witcher's doing it. Um fucking castlevania has a goddamn anime like, hey, it's really safe in a pandemic to have people draw things and then have people record their voices so but um out of all i know the person who's directing it directed ghost in the shell standalone complex which is a very good anime series um so it has like definitely potential and like goddamn if you're like good material to choose from i'm not sure how well it's gonna work in anime form like it's it's a very subtle, I, I shouldn't say subtle, but like, Tolkien's work is like, it's such a certain high fantasy that you can't imagine it being anything but Western. And that's, oh. that's a, like, I, like, I just I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I can't imagine like, Cockney accent orcs like being anime, where they're like, yeah, why don't we have some meats and like shit. Like, you uh you didn't grow up watching like Last Unicorn and stuff, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> uh, I mean, c- consider the reverence for Lord of the Rings and especially those movies when they came out, and how many, how wide the Japanese fan base is for those films. There's there's a lot of people out there with with high reverence for for the material. I would say. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no idea how well Lord of the Rings did in Japan. So like, I assume well. I think it did well everywhere. I think people. I think Lord of the Rings is pretty. Pretty. Whoop, what happened? Something I just, breaking into your house? No, I just some things slid off my desk accidentally. Your fucking uh, your TV mounts coming for round two? No, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> come back. Uh, from the creators of Borderlands, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the, so that was a segue, and I fucked it up. I fucked up my own fucking segue. Read. Apparently, uh, uh, what's his name? Pitcher, Pitcher, Randy Pitchford. There, it, there it is. Uh, he has been trying to get a high fantasy game made by the Borderlands studio since the 90s, he said. Wow. He was pitching it, 
as a Lord of the Rings game, not based on the movie. This was pre-movie. It would have just been Lord of the Rings IP. He was, he's been trying to get this game made. Uh, this is, of course, the guy who loves magic, does magic at a lot of events, and uh, famously uh, had a, a USB drive of uh, uh, allegedly child pornography left out of medieval times. No, I, it came out in this suit that it was uh, <laughs> like the Girls Gone Wild like college thing. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, but like, let me tell you something. I'm, about like, I'm not saying like he's not a fucking creep, but it's not child pornography. How many people involved in the high-level production of Girls Gone Wild are currently in prison? I wonder if that's something you can Google. <laughs> and I know the answer. Just, I don't think the answer is all, but just, I know it's not zero. <laughs> I'm just fucking saying there is a difference. Okay. Well, then you look at Borderlands and you're like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, anyway, Wonderlands <laughs> is coming, and it's got it's got rainbows and unicorns, uh, which was was 2012 was that the height of the unicorn meme the the unicorn just itself like you show a unicorn and it's like haha meme uh we're back uh with borderland wonderlands is bringing us back to to things that were funny not funny 10 years ago uh death stranding director's cut is coming to ps5 that implies the, the fucking director's cut implies that there was anything cut from that original game which is a scary thought uh it's, it's just an excuse yeah. to release it on PS5 for fucking 90 bucks. I, I don't think they're charging 90 They better fucking not be charging $90 for that. I, That's ridiculous. I first see it $90. Be a free fucking upgrade, playing. buddy. Uh, Metal Slug Tactics is bringing uh, roguelike elements and the Metal Slug art style to the tactical RPG or action. Uh, I'm assuming XCOM looked like the, the main uh, poll here. Uh, unfortunately, SNK is now majority owned by the uh, by Saudi Arabia? Okay, that's weird. <laughs> By that motherfucker who's, who's killing people. Anyways, uh, if WWE can do deals with them, so can SNK. Man, I uh, I don't know why I took the, the turn for the political with all this video game news, but that Metal Slug <laughs> Tactics game uh, looks really, really cool. Um, Call of Duty Warzone and Black Ops Cold War Season 4 will bring back the hijacked map. A lot of those words didn't mean anything to me. Yeah, uh, I, from I don't play Black Ops, so... <laughs> Wow. Uh, Escape from Tarkov dev teases new urban map and a deadly armored vehicle. Uh, Tarkov is a acquired taste. Uh, I think you said you were going to try it out. I don't think... I think you're going to bounce off that game pretty quick, but prove me wrong. Uh, Among Us gets a high... To the, uh, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, dude. Yeah, like, who gives a on. shit? Let's not even talk yeah. about it. It's... it's uh, yeah. Uh, Two-point campus... Uh, Two Point Hospital is a fucking excellent game. 2B from Nier Automata stumbles into Fall Guys. What the fuck happened there? I, I, money, I guess, is the only thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah, money. That's Yeah, someone got paid. Yaro Tano is just completely out. <laughs> Here we are. He's just like, bought himself a nice steak dinner. Uh, yeah, put 2B in fucking Fall Guys. What the fuck do I care? Uh, and then, of course, the showstopper, Jeff Keighley, could barely contain his excitement. He stole the scoop right out of E3's fingers, Reed. It's Elden Ring. Fuck yes, dude. I'm so excited for this. Oh my god. Uh, so, like, as a huge Souls fan, obviously, I've played all of them. Um, I've been all of them. I fucking love all of them. I, even Dark Souls 2. Even Dark Souls 2. Um, so, this... What the fuck? This, Dark Souls 2 is this just looks just like, different. This just looks like the natural progression of the series. It looks like you have definitely different play styles. That's what I'm theorizing anyway, which is really intriguing. Uh, open world kind of where me and buddy at Nick, uh, my buddy Nick at work, we're theorizing that um, it's going to be not open world in the sense of like, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild. It will in the sense of Ocarina of Time, 
um, where there's going to be like a giant open field that will lead you to the separate areas and everything like that. But in that big open field, that's where you can still fight enemies, gather resources, and ride your horse and shit like that. But it's not going to jump your horse up cliffs and jump your horse up cliffs and shit. And yeah, it looks absolutely fucking amazing. The berserk references are out the fucking wazoo. It's great. Uh, absolutely looking forward to this. This is going to be an absolute must buy day one for me. So uh, George R R Martin. <laughs> did some of the scripting uh, work on this. And then, of course, it is based seemingly on old Celtic mythology. Uh, Irish Irish boys in the house, get get ready for some cool shit. Uh, the, the enemy designs, the, the look of the game uh, is distinctly souls while looking like something a little fresh. Uh, the idea of just like surviving and, and chilling in the woods in the so for me the Souls games the reason I play the Souls games and I'm not the hugest Souls fan but I've played them all uh, beaten some of them is the atmosphere is the the atmosphere it, it establishes with its its soundscapes its visuals uh, how dangerous a lot of the game feels and the idea of an open world in that to me just feels like oh Red Dead Redemption two but Dark Souls uh, and that's I think it's the horse. That's more drawing me into that. But uh, I, I, I'm I excited to play Elden Ring as well. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's coming for everything. It's coming for old consoles. New I, consoles and you PCs. know it's going to be a really quality game. It's from Soft. When was the last time they released a really shitty that's, game? That's just it. It's like when Dark Souls 3 was announced, I'm like, I don't need to play another Dark Souls game. But when it came out, you better believe I played it and got further in it than most other Dark Souls games I've played. Yeah, so, it, it's a fucking um, great game. And Demon Souls, yeah. the remake, it's so fucking good. Uh, it's Even though it wasn't made directly by From, from Software, obviously. But I like, play three times in a row, and I fucking never do that with Souls games. I usually just stick to one character and keep playing new game cycles. Like, yep. Goddamn. So good. Wow. Uh, so lots more announcements to come. Uh, Days of the D- Day of the Devs already happened as well, which is all, all the indie stuff getting announced. Uh, lots of cool stuff happening. I'm sure by this time next week... Uh, or earlier when we do our podcast, we'll have a lot to fucking talk about after all these conferences go down. Yeah. So, uh, we won't speculate further uh, because people always do that. Like the week before E3, they're like, let's make a bunch of predictions and 90% of them will be wrong. And why? Uh, I used to do that. I, I don't like doing that anymore. So we're just going to move on to a little bit of Mass Effect and then I'm going to go do some yard work, Read, Read yeah. Mass Effect last week. We covered uh, the entirety of the the main plot points of the first Mass Effect game. I don't know if there was any side content you wanted to highlight specifically. No, not particularly. I think we pretty much covered all we needed to for Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 1, on paper, the synopsis can be very small. It it, it feels richer, deeper with how much world building there is going on in that game. Uh, and that includes all the dialogue and stuff throughout those quests. Same thing to be said, even more so for Mass Effect 2. Reed, tell me your impressions of Mass Effect 2 having finished the game. Um, I left Mass Effect 1 a lot more. Um, Mass Effect 2 was a good game, a good follow-up, I thought. But that being said, I thought Mass Effect 1 is just a superior title. I think there is more of a intriguing classic story in Mass Effect 1 with, a class, with an actual villain. Uh, Mass Effect 2 felt a lot like, okay, recruit people. There's one mission here where you can stop the collectors. Okay, now go do the final mission and the game's over. Um, it felt very much like not a lot happened. Yeah. It felt like I recruited a lot of people that I'd never ended up using because the roster was too big for me to ever hope of using everybody on an equal amount. Let's run them down. Yeah. Garrus Valkarian is back. Grunt is uh, your Krogan for the evening. Uh, Jack. 
I, I thought you were. Uh, did, did you roll Jack a lot? Yeah, I game, played or? a lot of Jack. Jack is one of my yeah. main main companions. Uh, Jacob Taylor, Kazumi Goto, which is one of the DLC characters. Legion, who is my favorite Mass Effect character. Uh, Miranda Lawson, Morden Solis, Samara or uh, Morinth, and uh, Tali Zora, of course. Uh, Thane, who's excellent, and then Zaid, who doesn't need to be in this game. Yes. So I yeah, that's my thoughts. Is I thought the roster is far too big. I think when you have a roster that big, you have a lot of characters that end up just being incredibly similar to one another in playstyle, uh, and you're not going to be using them as much. Therefore, you don't build a personal connection with them. So by the time you get to the end of the game, you're like, who gives a shit? Uh, for the end of the game, I did successfully get nobody killed. So through pure luck, I I bought without, the, without a guide. You just you yeah, just without a guide, did it. So I saw this screenshot of Mass Effect where it showed like on the galaxy map like ships chasing after the Normandy. So I'm like, oh yeah. shit, maybe that comes later. Mass Effect Two. I better buy all of the ship upgrades. So I did. Right. It turns out later that um, you needed to buy like at least three of them, and nobody would have died. And yeah. then everything else, Lee is like really fucking easy to be honest. Um, well, well, read careful now. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, the so, so the end basically. Look, without spoiling too much, because I'm sure we'll get there in the story. But you basically have to assign people to certain tasks. Unless you're a complete fucking idiot, you can't fuck this up. Because it's like, hey, we need a hacker. All right, don't send grunt. Basically. So here's what happened to people is they would send the wrong people earlier on. So then later when they were like, we need a this, you've already given away your characters. I'm going to tell you something about this mission. I also completed it the first time without losing anybody and no guide. Uh, a lot of people end up losing one or two characters in this fucking mission. I don't, I don't understand how. It's like even if you, just, even if you yeah. send like Legion as your commander for your squad, you still have Kasumi or fucking uh, – like Miranda to hack the thing for you. Even if you send Garrus to be your squad leader, you still have Grunt to defend the point for you. Uh, unless you're a complete fucking idiot and not being paying attention to these characters and what their strengths and weaknesses are, you cannot fail this part, in my opinion. I think the only difficult part as far as keeping your characters alive is buying those ship upgrades because you have no reason to buy them because you're like, why the fuck? Why would I buy these? I'm like, so you don't lose characters at the end. Yeah, that, 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 that's it. That's it. <laughs> Um, so the roster was too big because by the end I'm like, okay, I sur everybody survived and going to Mass Effect three, and it felt like half these characters like didn't even exist for me, like Saeed. Well, consider, yeah, if the intent was that some of these characters are meant to die, and then your Mass Effect three, so, so the, I guess the idea at the time was just like, yeah, your Mass Effect three experience will be vastly different based on how many characters you lose. If you if you move forward with everybody, well, then you just get the payoff for everybody if there is one. Yeah. Uh, and it would be it would be a real big bummer to lose someone like Tally uh, in two, knowing what the payoff is in three, especially if you chose her as your your romantic interest. Yeah, I um, I absolutely think they should have cut that roster down by half or to eight people, perhaps. I think twelve is far too much. Okay, who do you lose? Uh, Saeed, Samara, uh, Kasumi, um, <laughs> and probably Jacob. Yeah, you need Legion. Yeah, uh, Miranda's I, important for the plot. I get Grunt. why I get why Jacob's there because he's trying to be that bridge between like, oh, maybe Cerberus aren't such bad people, but Miranda can serve that purpose too if you write her a little bit better. Um, yeah, but Samara, but Samara is totally unrelatable because she's literally like, I am a biotic thousand year old god, 
and I'm above you petty humans, so I can't relate to her. Legion is awesome because he is literally a fucking robot, like, geth, and just fun dialogue and stuff. Um, so he has to stay around. Uh, but yeah, Samara's fucking useless. Like, what, I, what are your thoughts on the geth now after two games? Uh, geth are pretty cool. I, Yeah, like, geth are pretty fucking cool. Like, they're not my favorite race. Like you said, I think Corians are my favorite race. I, uh, really well, I like, didn't say the geth are my favorite race. I just said Legion was my favorite party member. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, and so, so yeah, I thought the roster was too bloated. I can't speak for uh, Samara's daughter if you saved her instead of Samara. Uh, I can't say how good of a character she is. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I thought the whole game was just a lot of, like, recruit this person, and then you have two missions to fight the collectors, and that was it. Martin Sheen did a good job as the elusive man. Um, but overall, I felt like this game was just, like, 90% a lot of nothing happening, and then 10%, okay, like, you stop the collectors, but guess what? The Reapers are still coming, so, like, who gives a shit? It de- so, like, my, my thoughts on it, and I don't know if th- this could be have, have been talked about at length elsewhere, is just, like, it was e- it was EA, it was a hit, Mass Effect 1 was, and it was, okay, uh, do how long can we spin plates uh, in, this, right. in this universe before we have to actually pay off the Reapers thing, and the answer was one game. Uh, but what a game. Like, it's, it's still... It's uh, really I, good. Yes. <laughs> Like, the writing's really solid, the shooting's good, the abilities are fun, uh, like I said, like, the conversations are interesting, their lore is very deep, you go to lots of planets, uh, I, like I said, I was just missing that Mass Effect 1 intrigue, where you have yeah. an actual plot, and... Did you probe Uranus? I did not probe Uranus, no. Oh, goddammit. What are you doing? This is video <laughs> games, Reed. Uh, but yeah, that's, like... <laughs> I'm sure next episode we'll actually talk about the actual plot of Mass Effect 2, which will actually be fairly short for the most part. Yeah. Um, but those are my overall thoughts on Mass Effect 2. I think Mass Effect 1 is just a better video game because it's more of an RPG and you have uh, – you just it's more of a concise, simple thing. This is just like an action game with lots of dialogue because you have so many characters – one thing I hate about Bethesda, I mean, about Bioware games like this, whether it be Kotar, fucking Dragon Age, or um, Mass Effect, is after every mission, you get that anxiety feeling that you need to talk to everybody. Yeah. And, like, get all their conversations done. But there's four fucking levels to the Normandy in this game, and there's 12 goddamn companions. So you're running around to, like, fucking 12 people and just spamming dialogue to see if anything new has happened. Like- poking his head into everybody's barracks just being like good hey, yeah, hey yeah. how's it going up? you got yeah, anything <laughs> new to say <laughs> saeed how's it hanging yeah Garris. uh so yeah <laughs> what's going on so just that yeah. mic managing that was really annoying too uh cool. so yeah cool man uh we'll we'll call it there more mass effect 2 and maybe 3 uh next week we're gonna have a lot of e3 and stuff like that to talk about the new tits the iceberg podcast should return this week as well if you have any questions topics cool things uh, Lee at iceberg.com is our email address at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Reed, thank you for joining me on this, this Saturday morning. Uh, I have been Lee. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good E3.